great to be with you again this morning. I'm going to be carrying on the series that Nigel started last week, The Offensive Compassion of God. Looking at the story of Jonah as it's found in the Old Testament. And last week, Nigel looked at Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, Jonah chapter 2. I'm actually going to take the last verse of chapter 1 because in the older translations and the kind of Hebrew translations, they included that. And if you remember the story, Jonah had kind of run away from God, from the calling that God had given him. God had brought us, he had run away on a ship, God had brought a storm. And uh, the sailors had thrown Jonah into the sea. In verse 17 it says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now going into chapter 2, as we have it. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. We brought my life up from the pit, O oh Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I had vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. When Nigel was sharing last week, he, he talked about the way that kind of God moved and intervened in the life, not just of Jonah, but also the sailors. This idea that Jonah, by his own choices and decisions, had kind of gotten himself into this mess and there were consequences of it. And God was going to provide a way and we're going to see this uh, in chapter 2. But also this idea of the sailors, uh, that they had also gotten themselves uh, into this situation, but it wasn't because of their choices and decisions. And so today I want to focus in on both aspects of that. And um, those who know me know that I like to give titles to my talks. And so if I was going to give it a title, I'd have a choice between two titles. One of them is this phrase that Nigel mentioned that uh, Hugh and Ginny, who used to be the pastors of Winchester Vineyard, used to use and say, this is the church of the second, the third chance. This idea that God is always giving us chances. This is the God of the second, third, fourth, infinite chances. Or another way I might have as a title is, what to do when you are between a rock and a hard place. You see, some of the lessons we're hopefully gonna draw from this story are what to do when we've made choices and decisions like Jonah that end up with us being in a mess. But also I want to share, because for some of you, that you might not be able to relate to that in, in this period of time in your life. But there's also things that we can learn from this story about what to do when we are in what feels like a rock, between a rock and a hard place. So I'd encourage you 
to find yourself in this story and to take hold of some of the lessons and principles that we find in Jonah. So starting right there in Jonah chapter 2 verse 1, you know, it says that Jonah prayed to the Lord. And, uh, and it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. And, and I kind of highlighted in my notes, these kind of three words, I called out of my distress and he answered me. This is a very simple statement, but sums up kind of what happened. And there's a lot of encouragement and hope in those words. That when we call, when we call out to God, in our places of distress, and as I when I use that word for different ones of you, that might mean different things. It might be family distress. It might be financial distress. It might be physical distress. And it says, he answered me. It was as Jonah called out, and that's key, that God began to answer him. It's interesting in this story that Nigel did in Jonah chapter 1. Jonah hadn't prayed really in the storm. You know, the captain had said to him, come and pray. As far as we know, he hadn't prayed even when he was thrown in the sea. But now he'd been swallowed by the fish. That's when he began to pray. That's when he began to call out. And that's when God heard. You know, I sometimes wondered what would have happened if Jonah had called out earlier. Who knows? But now, as he said in verse 2, he was calling from the kind of the land of the dead. He was right literally at rock bottom. And in that place, he began to cry out. And so one of the first things we learn from this passage is that God answers our cry of distress. Even when we are the ones in the, in the wrong, it was Jonah who was running away to Nineveh, running away from Nineveh, to Tarshish. When he was kind of thrown overboard. He was running from God. That was the reason why he was in the water. Uh, and maybe you're in a situation right now. And it's because of some of the choices and decisions that you have made over a period of time. And you might be wondering, is there hope? Will God have mercy on me? We're here in my cry of distress. But this is a God who's a God of the second, third chance. This is the kind of offensive compassion of God. See, God hears his cry and listens to him. His distress was a fruit of his guilt, but God answered him and gave him another chance. And this isn't an isolated principle or teaching in, in Scripture. We see this again, for example, in Psalm 107, verses 10 to 15. And it says this, some sat in darkness and in gloom, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the word of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High, like Jonah had. Their hearts were bowed down with hard labor. They fell down with no one to help. Then, and it's like, this is what we need. We need these den moments. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and gloom and broke their bonds let them thank the lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the son of man and so i'd encourage you if you're in a situation now in a mess and in some ways maybe it's on your own doing like jonah this is what one should do to call out to god 
God is the God of the second and third chance. And some of you might be thinking, they can't give me another chance. And God's saying there is. You see, it's his nature. It's that offensive compassion of God. We, we don't just see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. In particular, there's two parables you find in the what's called the gospel, the stories about Jesus in Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Would God pursue them? It wasn't like the coin was going to come and try to search for the owner. But God, who represents the person who was looking for the coin, he is always looking for us. And he loves to respond to our calls. Secondly, something we see in this passage is that God answers us in spite of his judgment, in spite of his discipline. If you notice in verse 3, Jonah says, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. You, as in you, God. But we already read, according to Jonah 1 verse 15, it was the sailors on the ship who had thrown Jonah into the sea. But Jonah knew that it was all of God. That God has seen his disobedience and God in his goodness was creating an opportunity to shape, to discipline and form Jonah if Jonah responded. And this kind of leads us to an important kind of belt teaching. How we respond to discipline determines how much benefit we're going to get from it. We see this in Hebrews chapter 12. We've got a lot of Bible today. I hope you're ready. And this is um, Hebrews 12, starting at verse 5. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses your sons and daughters. My son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating your sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirit and live? And so Jonah was going away from God. He was disobeying God. Yet God, in his goodness, creates this opportunity to shape into discipline. Like it says in Hebrews 12. And the question is, how are we going to respond to it? In Hebrews 12, verse 5, it says, some made light of it. It also says, some lost heart and became discouraged. In verse 9, it says, some even resisted it. Or in verse 7 it says we can endure it and grow in righteousness and peace. See, discipline is to the believer what exercise and training is to the athlete. It enables us to grow and to develop. And so God in his goodness uses this as an opportunity to shape Jonah. If Jonah would do that. And again, and maybe the situation you're in, God is using this as an opportunity to shape you to develop you, to grow you. So this idea that God is there, God is working things through to his will. And thirdly, we have this idea that Jonah placed his trust and hope in God's promises. 
In verse 4, Jonah recognizes that because of his disobedience, that he's going to put some distance between himself and God. But he still looks to God anyhow, and in faith he asks God to deliver him. And Niger talked about cross-referencing that certain verses or words, and you get this anywhere in the, in the Bible, sometimes link and a hyperlink to sink out. And in the Hebrews' mind, when they were looking at this, the link they would have is a prayer that you find in 1 Kings 8, verse 38 to 40. This is when King Solomon was dedicating the temple. And this is what he said. This was his prayer. He said, God, you know, when a prayer or plea is made by any of your people, Israel, each one of aware of the affliction of his own heart and spreading out his hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act. Deal with each man according to all that he does, since you know his heart. For you alone know the hearts of all men, so that they will fear you at all times. And then they will live in the land you gave our forefathers. This is what Jonah is alluding to in verse 4. In the midst of his mess, he is trusting in the promise of scripture. That if he humbled himself, as if he turned his face towards God, if he cried out towards this holy temple, that God would answer him, that God would deliver him. And so it's really key, Lord, that when we're in situations where we're in a mess, that we come back to some of the promises and truths that are in Scripture. And I'm sure so often in our lives, Satan says, well, you can't call out. Look, this, this mess is of your own doing. It's your own fault. You've done this second, two, three, four times. He's not going to forgive you this time. But God knows you. God loves you. He's just waiting for you to humbly turn to him and ask for forgiveness. Maybe that's where you are at this point in time. Maybe for the whole time I've been sharing about Jonah, maybe when Nile was sharing last week, you think, I'm in this mess. And you can look back and it might be a particular time you made a choice of the decision. It might have been seen quite gradually. But you realize that you and your life is in a mess. And the question is what are you are going to do now? And this is a great opportunity to stop and to call out to God. And let him just speak to you and meet you. So let's just take a time and just before God just close your eyes and just be real and, and be honest like Jonah was and to call out to him and ask him he's waiting there to forgive to release his love to release his goodness to help you begin to figure out a way out of this situation it still might be messy you know, we see there that Jonah was vomited up by the fish. And take it from me, if you don't know. Vomit is messy. Vomit is smelly. But there is deliverance. And I encourage you, if that's at this point in time, maybe for the first time in your life, or maybe you've done this a few times in your life, you're just going to turn him back to God and say, God, I need you. If you're in a life group, and share that with your life group because there's a great place where they can get alongside you, encourage you. If not, just contact the church 
using the email hello at Winchester Vineyard and just share about giving yourself to God maybe for the first time or once again. But just going to finish off with this kind of concept of people like Jonah that got themselves into a mess. Lastly, we see that Jonah submits to God's will. In verse 8, after Jonah has realized that God has answered his prayers and has saved him by this fish, he submits to God in thanksgiving. In verse 9, he says, With a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. And he concludes that thought with a kind of central declaration of not only this book, but you could argue the whole of Scripture. Salvation comes from the Lord. Wow. Some of you, as I was preparing this talk, I felt like some people are trying to save their own lives. Trying to save, you've got these messes and you're trying to put it together. It's like having a, a puzzle. And you know what? It's really easy. Well, it's easier. <laughs> Better put that in. To make a puzzle when you actually have the picture, you know what it's going to be like. And you haven't, and you made a mess of it, and the pieces are all over the place. And God is just saying, give me the pieces of your life. You see, I have the picture. I know what goes together. I know what it should look like. Salvation comes from the Lord. And this is what scripture is all about. Salvation coming from God. Jonah recognized that he couldn't save himself. The sailors couldn't save themselves. A boat to another place couldn't save them. There was anything around there. It was alone. It was God alone who could rescue and save them. Have we learned that? So often we try to save ourselves. Have we learned that? Do we need just to turn to him afresh and again? To ask him to save you in your situation. And like I mentioned at the beginning, Jonah was a person who was kind of looking for the second, third chance and God gave it to him. From some of the choices and decisions he'd made. But for some of you, maybe you can't relate to that this morning. And I felt like using some pastoral license as well was what I was drawing from this passage. You might be in a place of distress. You might be in a place where it feels like you're between a rock and a hard place. And as far as you're aware, it's, it's just life. You know, it's not like a, a choice, a decision. It just seems to be there. And I kind of felt like this for me. That kind of last... Maybe two or three months from just before Christmas have been some of the hardest kind of weeks, maybe in the last decade. And I can't maybe put my finger down and go, it's, it's because I've done this or Katie's done that. Even now as I'm doing this talk, I'm aware that once I finish recording this talk, and you know, I'm going to go to minor injuries just to check out my, my foot. Twisted it running yesterday. It's just swollen up. I can't put any weight in it. Right, you can say, well, it's my choice to go running before I get messages in the textbook. But some of the things happen in life because just life is life. And the realisation of the kingdom of God in all its fullness has not yet come on earth. So I'm going to keep pressing into that and I'm going to keep praying into that. But the question is, what do we do in those situations? And I want to share some things that will help us again in that. And like we, one of the first things I want to share, like in the story of Jonah, God is always at work. You see this kind of invisible hand 
in this story. It's God who brings the fish. God who brings the storm. God who gets the fish to vomit. God is always at work and his work is always meaningful and purposeful. He is in control. Jonah, like I said, knew why he was in that mess, but we don't. But what we can know is that God is always something, up to something, and it's good. Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who are being called according to his purpose. And I know that's a verse that people like to just throw out, and it's easy to throw out to people that are in distress, in the, kind of between a rock and a hard place. But there's a truth there to, to hold on to. And I know for me sometimes, I just have to, I, I've said it. Many times in my life I've been through hard times and, and I don't know why. I, kind of, I speak it as a kind of declaration to my soul. I know that God is good and he's good all the time. And he works with the good. I don't understand it. And sometimes I never understand it, but sometimes I do. As part of my work for Frontiers, I do something called Team Leader Foundations. And we get people to look back over, you know, the 20, 30, 40 years of their life and to begin to identify things that have shaped them. You know, people, books, conferences, parents, friends that have shaped them and made them who they are. But one of the weeks we just take time looking at things like failure, loss, disappointment, painful wounding experiences, life crises. And it's interesting, I've seen this in my life and other people. Sometimes those are the times when we learnt the most, when we were shaped the most. Part of us would never want to go through that, but God does something in that if we allow him to. And so my first encouragement to you, if you're going through a hard place, you're in a place of distress, is firstly just knowing that God is at work. Secondly, just begin to ask questions like this. God, what are you trying to say to me? God, what are you trying to reveal in my heart? As a, a pastor called Mike Bickle used to say, God offends the mind to reveal the heart. God, what are you trying to say to my heart? What are you trying to teach me? See, these moments I've found in my life and working with kind of team leaders are often the ones that shape us, if we allow them to. And a great tool for this it's what I call the, the discipline, the tool of a journal. If it wasn't because I had a bad thought, I can't hop downstairs, I'd bring you up uh, a whole load of my journals. I have journals going back decades now. And, uh, and one thing I like about a journal, it's a place where I just write down stuff. It's more than just a, you know, this is what I did today, but it's a place where I process stuff, be it good, or what we're talking about today, things are hard. And I start thinking, why do they react in that way? What was the first thought that came into my mind when these things happened? Or as soon as it's over a period of time and I look back over a week, a couple of months, like I've been doing just recently in the last few weeks, as I looked over this really particularly hard two or three months and said, okay, God, lockdown might kind of ease in a few weeks and a few months' time, but I don't want to miss out on what you've been trying to say and teach me in this period of time. What are you trying to do with me, God? And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you as we kind of come to this time and people are starting to look forward and going, great, we're going to be able to do this, we're going to be able to do that in a few weeks' time. 
God works all things for the good of those who love him. What has he been trying to do and say to you in this season? Don't miss it. It could be gold. Gold that you're needing for now and the next season. And maybe gold you're going to be needing for years and years to come. Thirdly, in this time when uh, of distress, be real. Lament. You know, Jonah's very real. I kind of felt entangled. He, he didn't hide the fact of being down in the grave and like seaweed wrapped around his head. That's important. But then, it says in verse 7, remember. He says, you know, my life was slipping away. And then I called to mind. Then I remembered. And maybe you feel like that in this season. Your life is slipping away. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe spiritually. But call to mind. Last year, we, we did a series about the persecuted church. And what lessons could we learn from the persecuted church? How do they keep going when they seem to be living continually in a place of distress, what we would see be as distressful? In a place between a hard rock, I mean a rock and a hard place, are not the best with my English sayings that my family tell me. What do you do? Call to mind, remember. God's promises. Katie and I did this uh, particularly... Um, like a Monday or so ago, we just woke up. The weekend had been horrendous for Katie and I. And we were just really weary and bad. And we woke up. It was like, this is a new day. And we just began just to do what I call um, tennis, spiritual tennis. Just declaring God's truth. So one of us would kick off, you know, maybe it's like, you know, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah 40 verse 31. And then maybe Katie would reply, I can do everything for him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. Then I might say something like, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 verse 1. And then Katie might say, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord God, maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121 verse 1. Then verses like, is anything too hard for God? Jeremiah 33 verse 23. 27. Then you get the response. He can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Ephesians 3.20. And you get the idea. But you call these things to mind. That's why it's important to kind of study the Bible, to meditate the Bible, to learn verses. Because it's easier to do this when life isn't a distress, where you don't feel like you're in a hard place. Because in these times, you can bring them back. You can remember them. You can call them to mind. And thirdly, in this time of distress, we can do what Jonah did at the end. Offer sacrifices of praise and worship. As the passage says, I can, I'll put it in the chat box when I, when I listen, but in Chronicles, and we showed that clip, I think last week or the week, no, not last week, the week before, based around this verse, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Actually, the truth is, he did know what to do. Because he did the most sensible thing, which was to put our eyes on you. And that's what we have to do in a time of distress, offer sacrifices. Oh, you know, when I woke up this morning, I was thinking, oh, can anything get worse? Emotionally and spiritually, it's been a hard few months. And now physically, you know, one thing I've had over the last two or three months is, uh, some of you don't appreciate or understand this at all, but it's been a joy my running has just been such a joy. It's been such a release. And particularly in the last week or so with the sunshine. 
And now, bar a miracle, my leg is just mash. Maybe for a few weeks, maybe for a few months. But I had a choice. I will offer sacrifices. I will praise God. And we see this again in other places. David, when he was on the run, he hadn't done anything wrong, but Saul was trying to kill him. And he wrote this Psalm 59 in that time. It says, But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love, for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. God, you are my fortress, my God in whom I can rely. Well, the story of Habakkuk is a, a short, what they call a minor prophet. You find it near the end of the Old Testament. And he just talks about all these things that seem to be going wrong. And it kind of concludes like this. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no crop. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall. And you've got to remember, this was a kind of, kind of agricultural people. It's like, there can't be anything worse than that. It's like, is there anything left? There's no olives, there's no vines, there's no cattle, no sheep. But in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And so in these times of distress, remember that God is at work. Take time to ponder about what God might be trying to do in shaping you. Bring back to mind the promises of God and offer a sacrifice of praise. So to conclude, whether the mess or the distress you are in at this point in time is of your own making or not, this is the day to fix our eyes on God, to call out to him who will answer us, because this is the day of salvation. This is the day salvation starts. That working of it might still be hard, that working of it might still be messy, but this day can be a turning day if we choose to respond like Jonah. So let's pray. God, I thank you that whatever mess, whatever distress, whatever hard place we're in, wherever that looks like, you're the God that right now, this morning, we can call out to you. And you're the God who hears, and you're the God who answers. 